well, offer love, offer prayers, condolences. I was watching prominent conservatives do this. Is that the right humanitarian thing to do? Absolutely. Will it make a difference to her? No. The moment she was back on Twitter after her period of mourning was over, she attacked each and every one of those people who offered her compassion through her very horrendous and awful ordeal. Why? Because she doesn't care about them. She doesn't even think... If you ask me, she probably doesn't even think that they're real people. They're beneath her. They're subhuman. They're they're not important. And so when they offer her compassion, she doesn't have to reciprocate that. There's a lot of examples that I've given you over years of that type of stuff. And happening, I was telling him, like, look, I understand what she's going through is horrendously awful. I get it. I really do. And I actually feel for her. But I'm not going to publicly support her. I have no reason to. She's an awful person. I feel more bad for the child than I do for her or her husband because they're bad people. This type of stuff where it's like, no, we're going to show them that we're compassionate and that we're not as evil as they say we are. They know you're not as evil as they say you are. That's what they're concerned with. They're concerned with demonizing you. And painting a false picture of who you are so they can defeat you and destroy you. That is their entire premise. That is their entire purpose in life. They are not interested. I'm talking about those types of people. I'm not talking about other liberals, okay? But those types of people, those rabid leftists, they do not care about you. They will, and I am not exaggerating, will be the ones cheering you getting loaded into boxcars and shipped off to a concentration camp because many of them have publicly stated that they would like to see what happen to you how many of them said take your children away from you and put them in re-education camps they want to put you in a re-education camp they want to ship you off to a work camp until you're rehabilitated and you think exactly like them they're evil people folks but then you've got others that are not and i have no issue no issue coming to their defense, coming to their aid. But you've got to pick and choose those battles. It doesn't make any sense for you to devote that energy, that time, to people who will never reciprocate that compassion and that virile defense of you, if you ever need it. You're wasting energy. And what you're doing is you're actually helping them. You're helping them in their cause. Alyssa Milano, Alyssa Milano, deserves murder. None. Something bad happens to Alyssa Milano at some point in time, stay quiet about it. Don't come to her aid. She doesn't deserve it. There are other people that don't either. But I would also caution you, don't apply that to everybody that you disagree with politically. There are good people that you disagree with politically who will consistently defend you on principle even though they disagree with you. You need to do the same for them when they run up against it as well. And a lot of those are going to be comedians, um, liberal comedians and things like that. I'm a huge Bill Burr fan, huge Bill Burr fan. He's one of the first people to tell you he's, he's left, but he moved to Los Angeles and he goes, I'm, I'm a liberal, but you guys are crazy. He finally spoke out about Gina Carano. For those of you who don't watch The Mandalorian, Bill Burr is on The Mandalorian. And he says uh, he's been defending her. And he's pointed out that she's one of the sweetest people that you're ever going to meet, which is what everybody says about Gina Carano. And now he's making the case, like, oh, I, 
I suddenly have to watch what I say now. And I'm a comedian who is known for being provocative, right? Bill Burr has a lot of bits about women and other scenarios that would be cancel culture in Hollywood. And this is a guy just trying to make a living being a comic. Comics run into this a lot. And so I'm glad that he's finally defending her. And I realize that I've kind of just narrowed in on like one specific thing. But this goes, this goes back to the culture wars. And the culture wars, of course, emanate from the educational system. We led the show today with what's happening in Penn. Penn is going to, it looks like, based on the email that they sent home with parents, Penn looks like going to be indoctrinating some of their students in some social justice warrior nonsense. Now, we don't know how they're going to implement this so-called curriculum, but it doesn't look good because of the verbiage that they're using. It's the same verbiage that you get from anti-white activists. And that's concerning a lot of people. We hope it doesn't turn out that way, but Penn shouldn't be, be doing that. Hopefully it turns out that our concerns are, are invalid. I hope that's the case. But then, we, of course, we go into the, the culture war. Well, the culture war emanates from radicals in, in school teaching your kids. And a lot of times that's in grade school. A lot of times that's in, in your, your schools, but it's often your colleges. You all know this. And here we have a situation where you analyze eight different surveys of graduate level professors and doctoral students, and the majority of them are okay with discriminating against their conservative or right-leaning peers in some form. Why are these professors and doctoral students okay with discriminating against people that they disagree with? One of the best teachers I ever had, my geopolitica, geopolitical economics teacher, Mr. Swallow, first day in class, I'm letting you all know I'm a liberal, but I will treat you fairly. That's all I needed to hear. And he did. Great teacher. Great teacher. Good man. But he wouldn't have fit in this, this category. These are professors and doctoral students who actively think it is all right to discriminate against their students. 10% of academics support outright canceling or firing conservative professors who express their views. Now, at least 90% are not okay with that, but they're okay. They're okay with discriminating against them. They're just not okay with firing them. Hmm. Thank you. Appreciate that. The study also adds a new dimension of recent stories, two recent stories of harassment and intimidation of conservative voices in academia. Conservatives have long been a minority in American universities. Again, watch the documentary Indoctrinate You. But only recently has so-called cancel culture led to a rise and what Kaufman calls the chilling effect of self-censorship. And that is, of course, where you're afraid to say anything. You just don't. And you see the argument. You see the battlefield to the other side. And then the culture war continues to get out of control. And how many times have I talked about this and people go, oh, Gina Carano's story is not all that important. It is the most important story facing overall society that we are dealing with that type of a story with gina carano and hollywood and disney and star wars and all of that because it's the culture war one of the reasons that i play uh tom mcfarland or, or mcdonald excuse me tom mcdonald and some of the others on my, my live stream is because they're fighting culture war that many of you are straight up ignoring because it's not important enough because you're so clueless you're so out of touch it's ridiculous and you wonder why you're losing ground 
You're losing ground because you're not engaged in the things that are the most important to our society, even if you think they're trivial. You've got to change the way you think about these things. You have to. More coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in to Stock 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Once again, I am your host, Casey Hendrickson, on a new streaming platform. We're on the DLive platform, too, but we'd like to get everybody over to Trovo. It's a newer platform. Uh, a lot of people are kind of going over to it, so it's young. But it's T-R-O-V-O dot live slash Casey, the host. Uh, Trovo dot live slash Casey, the host. Uh, check us out over there. DLive is messing with us again. So, All right, I got to tell you about ZBart of South Bend. Now, again, this is only for ZBart of South Bend. I have to <laughs> let everybody know. Occasionally, I'll get you in various other cities going to uh, those ZBart locations and trying to name drop me, and they have no idea who I am. ZBart of South Bend. I have an appointment here this month. I'm going to finally get the undercoating done my new vehicle. I was hoping to get it done a couple of a couple of weeks ago. It just didn't happen. So we're going to actually do it in March, set the appointment ready. We're going to get that done. Of course, the, the semi-annual uh, cleaning that wife's vehicle needs, that's going to be taken care of here at some point soon as well. Uh, we've been customers of Z-Bart of Send for a long time. I've told you about them for a long time. We have the ceramic glass paint coating on my wife's vehicle. We love it. You know, it prevents those water spots. It, it prevents it from the elements. And it's a harder surface than your clear coat. So it protects your paint better. And your paint shines a lot better than it did coming brand new off of the factory floor. And eventually, we're going to get that done with my vehicle, too. But I wanted to get the undercoating taken care of because you know my history with rusted out vehicles snapping in half and that sort of thing. And I just don't want that happening to the new one. So we're going to go to Zebra to South Bend here in the next couple of weeks, get that taken care of. And you should, too. So if you've got a truck, you want to get prepared for the spring and the summertime, now is the time to do it, whether it's tint, uh, whether you're getting it detailed, whatever that is, go to Zebart of South Bend. Of course, let them know that I sent you. All right, uh, let's see. Fauci's flip-flops. You go to the burningtruth.us, my website, which you should be subscribed to my newsletter to get the daily show prep and everything as well. Fauci's had a lot of flip-flops, a lot of them. And I have a whole article up there that kind of goes over some of that. I'm not going to go over all of them right now. But this just kind of goes back to what Governor Nome was saying at CPAP. So Governor Christy Nome, we just do the audio. And she's look, Dr. Fauci told us on our worst day we'd have 10,000 people in hospitals, when in fact on our worst day we had 600. Not even close. And Fauci has been wrong the entire time. The one thing that I can really call out to Fauci being correct on was the virus would come back in the fall. And it did. Came back in September. He was right about that. He's been pretty much wrong about everything else. And Governor Nome brought that up at CPAC. Just Fauci is wrong a lot. And he is. And somebody asked him about that, and he said it just wasn't very helpful. It's not help. Her comments aren't helpful. Well, her comments were more helpful than your advice has been. So in this post, which I'll put in the daily show prep for everybody at theburningtruth.us if you're a newsletter subscriber, Fauci's flip-flops, how America's doctor, air quote, has repeatedly reversed himself during the COVID crisis. And I think one of the reasons that you're seeing so many people say, all right, enough of the mask thing is watching his latest reaction to the mask. Remember, you had uh, when New York Times came out and said, hey, one mask isn't working. You should be wear two masks now. 
And then Fauci was like, yeah, totally dope. Let's wear two masks. And then an epidemiologist, the advisor to Biden, actually came out and said, wearing two masks, not only is there a breathing issue there, but it also may increase your risk of the virus. And he provided examples of how that was, which I've been telling you about for months. Uh, And again, this is the leading epidemiologist advising the Biden administration who was saying this. And then there was, well, if two masks are good, then three is good. And then there was another one for four masks. I didn't make that up. It was a real thing that we talked about. And then after this epidemiologist came out and said, two masks is not good. It's no bueno. It's bad. Uh, Fauci basically came out. He says, okay, like the next day, it was like instantaneous. And this is all very public when it was going on. He said, okay, all right. We don't actually have any evidence that two masks work. So just wear one mask. And then it was, I think that week or the next week, the CDC was like, screw it, wear two masks. And I think a lot of people saw that and said, okay, Casey was right. Hashtag told you. They're all over the place and they're just grasping at straws because they don't actually have a strategy because they don't work. I saw something uh, today and it was experts are perplexed or something like that about the drop in COVID cases. Like, don't understand what's going on. Yeah, okay. I, I wonder. Oh, gee, I wonder. <laughs> we'll talk about that. And we have a warning from Pfizer about a certain group of people with their vaccine. We got that coming up on 95.3 MNC. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95, Michiana's channel. Yesterday, we let you know that something had been discovered about the COVID vaccines. And that was that they inflame your lymph nodes and give women a false positive for breast cancer. And they are recommending that women get a mammogram before they get the COVID vaccine, if you choose to get it. And that, that way you get you get the clear right out of the way. Because yeah, if you get the shot and then it inflames your lymph inflames your lymph nodes and then gives you a false positive at least you have that mammogram before you got the vaccine say okay there was nothing there uh, until i got this so it's probably just a swollen lymph node Uh, if you don't get it before you get the vaccine they're recommending you wait four weeks after the vaccine so that way that uh, irritation goes down but now pfizer there's a new study that has come out and pfizer is saying that the vaccine is less effective on obese people. So if you, you fall into that category, the vaccine is not going to be as effective. Uh, they defined they define this as having a BMI, which again is not an accurate measure. Uh, but anyway, they, they identified BMI over 30 produced about half the amount of antibodies compared with people who had a healthy body weight. According to the study, uh, the study was done by the National Cancer Institute. Uh, uh, and yeah, so yeah, researchers at the National Cancer Institute. So if you have a BMI over 30, then it produces half of the antibodies as the vaccine does in in uh, people who are not as heavy. OK, so if you're in that category, what does that actually mean for you? You might actually have an easier go of it. Uh, be honest with you when you get the second dose but uh, and again you know obesity morbid obesity is one of the co um, you know the comorbidities that really affects covid and it was it was interesting because during this whole process there was like this the continuation of uh, you know these magazines that were putting people who are not healthy um, on there as being healthy and as I've said before I mean live your life the way that you want to live your life just you know just be honest with yourself about about you your health your body that sort of thing and and then you'll be you'll be fine uh but they were promoting 
being really heavy as being okay and healthy, but it's not. And at the same time, we're in the middle of a pandemic where we know that people who weighed the, the weight that was in the magazine were at a higher risk of dying from COVID. It was just one of these surreal things. It just didn't make any sense. A couple of people pointed that out. We pointed it out in the show. But um, they said every, pretty much every bit of health advice we've gotten from the government over the past, say, 50 years has been wrong. <laughs> pretty much everything has been wrong. All right, we got uh, we got more coming up. I'll, I'll tell you about this other thing here because this is where the scientists are struggling to figure out why COVID cases are dropping. Because it's not November. Uh, well, I should say it's not October. <laughs> before November. <laughs> Got more coming up. 95.3 MNC. All right, so this is the headline. To explain, scientists struggle to figure out plunging COVID cases. <laughs> uh, let's see. The election is over. Uh, finally acknowledging what I've been telling you for months, that the PCR test was oversensitive and adjusting for the threshold. Um, herd immunity based on the massive surge that happened in the fall starting in September. Yeah, all of those things would, would probably be a, a great answer. But it's kind of funny. The experts have no idea, have no idea why COVID is dropping so fast. Okay. It's because a lot of those experts aren't actual experts, whereas the real experts from all over the, the globe who have been telling us that we've had this thing wrong from the very beginning, yeah, those folks are out there. And they're just... Here's the thing. A lot of the stuff they told you back in, in March and April and May, a lot of that stuff is just normal now. But back then it was a conspiracy theory. That's the thing. You know, I, throughout the entire pandemic, I never gave you my opinion on what I thought about all of this stuff. I always presented you the evidence that came from actual research and actual experts. Here's Bill O'Reilly. Have a wonderful